0: Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench podcast network.
1: Oh, it's episode 36 of the MMA Outsiders. I'm Sam Bando. I'm Tom Albano. And Zan, entering this week, I thought we were going to be doing, you know, a lot of uh, previewing this week. I thought we were, and we still are. We still are going to be doing a lot of previewing. But uh, let's say that circumstances over the last couple of days have uh, really, really changed things. Potentially with uh, the MMA news here. Well, for the news here, definitely. But potentially for MMA, we got a lot of news that... I mean, it's several headlines, you know, but they're major headlines. And some of them, you know, not officially confirmed, but... Oh, man. The MMA world could be turned upside down on its head if everything comes to fruition that is being reported this week. Uh, So... Uh, let me just get into it, Zan, before we get to you. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, so that way you get notified of everything here on the Empty the Bench Network. That's if you're watching us on YouTube. Of course, don't forget that we are also available on the audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, if you don't want to see Xan and I's faces or if you want to take MMA Outsiders on the road with you. And if you are listening on those audio-only platforms, make sure to check out the YouTube video feed as well on the Empty the Bench Network, which you can find at YouTube.com slash ETB Network. Um... That's Zambando, my co-host as always. You can find his work over at BJPen.com. And I'm Tom Albano. You can find my work over at FansidedMMA. MMA. Make sure to follow the show across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB and the Empty Bench Network at ETB Network. All right. So Zan, a lot we gotta get into.
2: Yeah, um, I think that's the understatement of the year. So far, I mean, you want to talk about, we kind of allude to it almost every week, but I'm going to keep saying it until people actually listen. And if people are listening to me, that's great. You're, You're slowly but surely catching on. My point in saying all that is MMA has no off season and you can look no further. Well, I guess you'd say combat sports has no off season. You can look no further than all of the news that we are about to reveal to you all. Uh, This week, a lot of it is fresh within the last day or so of this recording. Some of it goes back to late last week. So we're excited to bring it all to you. And for sure, after we did have a cursed episode, I would say a couple of weeks ago, this one isn't necessarily cursed, but this one is without a doubt one of the most news heavy episodes that you or I will ever be part of in the history of this program, we would think. And we're excited to bring it to all of you a lot of just weird twists and turns both on the mma side and the boxing side but um' well, I'm excited to get into it and uh, and we'll, let's see what interesting observations we come up with just because this news is totally fresh and it, it'll be it'll be good to to talk about it
1: for sure all right top story that we've got to lead off with it's not exactly you know the most recent headline but it is one that has been getting. A lot of development, as you kind of alluded to, Zan, over the last 24 to 48 hours. So I know there's a lot on our banner here. So let me try to break down all of this. And then, Zan, I mean, and then, Zan, we could break down piece by piece. So with Francis and God, is probably the biggest story at this point. Obviously, Zan, he has not fought since January of 2022 when he defeated Cyril Gunn to retain the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship. Uh, one championship, uh, Francis and Ngannou obviously left the UFC uh, earlier this year when they failed to come to terms on the new contract. That's why the heavyweight title was vacated for about, you know, a month and a half before Jon Jones claimed it. And we haven't heard much on the Francis news front. We saw Francis do an interview with Ariel Hawani a couple of months back, teasing Bellator, teasing PFL teasing boxing, and we'll get into all of that because there are other stories that could kind of connect with this. One Championship had, earlier in this week, uh, had a meeting with Francis Ngannou. So that's the first part of that with the One Championship Breaks Off Talks, is that Francis Ngannou and Chhatri from One Championship had a meeting and both sides were unable to come to terms. We'll get into the details of all of that, but... The reason it's even bigger now is because right as uh, the news with uh, Chachri was coming out about basically that you know he and Francis Ngannou were unable to come to terms and that Francis wanted all these things, Ariel Helwani on the MMA Hour uh, a couple of days ago reported that Francis Ngannou's free agency period could end as early as this week and that there has been supposedly a verbal agreement between he... And another MMA promotion. Then. Al Zalino. Who. Zan. A uh, good friend of yours. And uh, you know. One of the best. Uh, National MMA journalists. That there is. Uh, right now. Is...
2: A former. A former colleague of ours too.
1: That is, yeah. former colleague of ours. Over at Fan Sided MMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, is reporting that. That promotion. Is the PFL. And actually, Zan, within the last hour before we sat down to record, you know, I don't know how much of a series source you take uh, Chael P, Chael Sonnen, but he has added into the mix that he is also hearing that it is the PFL.
2: Yeah, this is all very interesting. So let's just kind of break this down a little bit. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, this whole Francis situation now has been going on for I would say about two and a half years now, and it's really over um uh, just the fact that Francis was unable to get the biggest fight possible, which was he versus John Jones for the UFC undisputed heavyweight title. If you want to learn more about that, we did a live stream about that in, in mid-January when shit hit the fan a little bit and uh it was announced that he was no longer re-signing with the UFC. And then basically for the last several months now, until literally the last few days or last uh, 24 to 48 hours rather is when more stuff really started to come out. So what's interesting to me about this whole thing, and it's something I've been kind of thinking about ever since uh, this we started to really ramp up and materialize a little bit more is I just don't really seem to understand, you know, like personally, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you agree with this, but I really do think that, with Francis's leverage of being the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world, number one and number two, with him just having the star power that he once did. And I guess you could say still does quote unquote. I just really don't understand how any of these other promotions, whether it's one championship, the PFL Bellator, another promotion that I'm not thinking of. um, Probably you could throw Ryzen rising in there. I just don't see how they could match. The 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 value in Francis that the UFC can and going back to your point about Chael Sonnen he would we said a couple of weeks ago the thing that Francis needs to do to potentially save his career is he needs to call UFC brass and apologize obviously it doesn't seem like that phone call will ever happen anytime soon my point in saying all this is though is I really do think in retrospect the more that Francis you know holds out and the more that he you know, kind of sits around and waits for the right opportunity. I think the more and and more of the MMA community is going to look at him as an afterthought. And that's a real shame just considering what his meteoric rise did for the heavyweight division. And I truly think if he doesn't make a move sooner rather than later, um uh, uh, assuming that it is what the PFL's reports are slowly pointing to, I think Francis's career with him not getting any younger is going to, is going to take a massive hit because, is now he's already lost over a year of competition. He didn't get the biggest fight, of arguably, in UFC heavyweight history, one of the biggest fights in UFC history. And I just think overall, this is one of those things where I just think Francis needs to needs to look in the mirror, say, look, this is what I'm worth. Obviously, that I can't have the leverage that I've been looking for for over a year, and I just think he needs to... He needs to sign a contract because if he doesn't sign a contract, he's going to keep holding out. And quite frankly, it's only going to affect him negatively and not
1: positively. So before I get into anything else, Dan, I I want to go back to something that you said about that. He needs to call the UFC and apologize. Obviously that was not your, turn; that was something that Chael, Chael Sonnen had said. Um, But considering the kind of terms that he and Dana kind of ended on now, granted. We have seen Dana say something is never going to happen it actually happens, but do you think Dana would be reciproca- reciprocative of such a phone call? Because I don't know if he would at this point.
2: I mean, he made it very clear, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a TMZ hit that he did. He It was some sort of hit with some major uh, lead, and, and, apologia- and apologies for me not remembering it, but it was very recent, and it, th- that exact question was asked, would you ever consider – you know, being in the Francis business again. And he said, we, you know, we've dealt with him for over two years. Uh, you know, he and Hunter had 75 dinners or, or whatever the heck the number was. And he just simply said he was too difficult to deal with. Now, I don't know what too difficult to deal with exactly means. No one will ever know unless you're in his camp. So I don't want to speculate. But if the UFC president is saying that, he would never do business again with its former UFC heavyweight champion. Like again, straight up without, you know, putting in the caveat, never say never. I think it's a telling sign that, that something in those negotiations didn't go well. And he probably said, if you try to go and pull this with other promotions, you're going to get the same result. And assuming that he is doing that with other promotions, like one championship and like Bellator, it's not, it's not working out. And it, and again, like I just alluded to a second ago, if he doesn't make a move, you know, with, with the PFL, which is, which is looking very likely, then I think um, as much as I had a different opinion on this a year ago, I think a lot of this is on Francis and not on any of these promotions. And I hate to say it because what he was asking for seemed reasonable at the time. It, you know, Oh, it seemed like he was standing up for the fighters, but now it's just like, if you don't give me what I want, I'm not going to sign with you. And that's presumably what this game is turning into. And it's getting a little old and it's like, okay, man, make a move. Are you going to go box? Are you going to go oh, fight in MMA? Are you going to try to chase more titles? Like what is your, what is your prerogative to still stay in this position when quite for all you've done is sat out a year and jeopardized another year of your, your later prime years, if you even want to
1: call them that. And, and Zan, that was actually going to be the point that I was about to make, is that when that news broke about four months ago, Zan, you and I sat here. You and I sat on a telephone call where we, uh, we sat with Dylan Rush and we sat with Curtis Calhoun, and we talked about how Francis Ngannou had an opportunity to basically change the game in a way. He had an opportunity to go carve out His own path, stand up for fighters rights and get the kind of money, you know, we, we talk all about the fighter pay and, you know, and try to get the kind of money that he, you know, his boxing counterparts in the heavyweight division can kind of get. But now, but now, like you kind of alluded to, it's been four months and we've had very little to no movement. And it's making me wonder what exactly he is asking for now, Chachri from one championship had a very interesting answer. So Chantry has claims then that when Francis met with him for the one championship negotiations, he wanted something like what? $20 million, a spot at the the one championship board of directors. Uh, Do you buy that?
2: No, not for (laughs) a second. I think, I think this is a PR marketing play you have, you have to read it between the lines. my first thought was okay they have one Fight Night 10 coming up in Colorado it's a it's a massive card it's their first. US show he wants to get people talking about Francis that way the more that people talk about Francis, the more it'll entice people to subscribe to Amazon Prime, watch One Fight Night 10 and become instant fans I would I, I literally think that this is a play to do that. I, I could be wrong and I could be way out of bounds with this, but I just feel like given the claims that he's made in the past saying that, Oh, we pay our fighters the most money. We have the best, you know, weight cutting system. We have the best fighters in the world. You know, we can compete with the UFC. Heck, I even just wrote an article for for BJ Penn where Charlie suggested that the only uh, promotion that he'd like to do business with is the UFC. I'm not sure if you had a chance to take a look at that yet, but it's very, it's very interesting to see, you know, you know, Charlie, you know, make these claims when quite frankly, you know, one championship has not been known to get the biggest names in the world. I mean, obviously granted they have Demetrius Johnson, you can make a great case that he's the greatest flyweight MMA has ever seen. But uh, outside of that, the stars that one championship has been able to build are, are few and far between you know, the likes of the UFCs and the Bellators and the PFLs. So I really think he, he's saying all these things just to kind of save face. And I all think it's I all think it's for um or or I think it's mainly for PR concerns just because, you know, I think one championship realizes they're in a position where if this Colorado US experiment doesn't go well, it's gonna reflect reflect very badly on them. And I and and I'm sure, you know, us talking about this you know, you know, from their side and, you know, more media attention can be on this makes it worse. But, you know, I think if one championship is smart. They would just be honest and say the whole story, because if you don't remember those one championship contracts were leaked out from various fighters who decided to share them and they were the most underwhelming contracts that people in the industry had ever seen. So to hear that, uh, that, that Francis was, was offered, um, twenty million and turned it down, I don't I don't I don't buy it for a second.
1: Yeah. Um how should I say this, Dan? Oh, I think I know how. fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Mm, oh my god.
0: Stop fucking lying.
2: I mean, am I wrong to say that this is a ploy to get more people to No, you're I not wrong. Wanna-
1: you're not it, wrong. Not yeah. Song. This is an absolute ploy. It is an absolute ploy. Now, granted, you know, could I have seen Francis Ngannou ask for something like twenty million? I don't know about twenty, but he probably wants a decent payday. But a spot, I I could
2: see, I could see a million, two million, three million, but twenty million. No, hey, I mean, and don't get me wrong, Tom. We've been very open in saying that we like Francis Ngannou, but is he worth twenty million dollars in the open market? No, absolutely not.
1: Also, to add a spot on the board of directors, Francis Ngannou.
2: And who know, to be quite honest with you, I don't even know one has a board of directors. <laughs> do, do we even do we even know that? <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, I'll do some searching, but I mean, San, the only kind of deal that I have heard about somebody trying to get, like, equity, Zan is, I think, of the Conor McGregor negotiations from, like, a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah. W- was that when Conor wanted a stake in the UFC a couple of years ago before yeah, the Endeavor talks I, happened?
1: Yeah. That's what I think. Uh, I'm actually going to... I'm actually trying to look up right now the one championship. Nyker uh, has... One board member or advisor. I mean, they have a seat. C- I mean, obviously, Chhatri is the CEO and there is a vice chairman, a president, a CFO, a VP and SVP. So, I mean, maybe he just meant like a spot on like the leadership or something like that.
2: Yeah, it's very it's very confusing. Um, And, to, and oh, yeah, actually,
1: yes, yes, it, it, there is a there is a board of directors.
2: Okay. So I can partially not make fun of it, but still at the same time, like, 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 like seriously, like, 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 trust me, if, if this was, um, if this was, uh, if this was, um fan wrong or Demetrius Johnson or Adriana Marias is asking for this, they would be laughed out of the rooms. Oh, it's like, it's like, if, 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 if they're not going to get, if they're not going to get that, Francis isn't going to get that. And, um, I mean, I just what I don't understand is even with the board of directors thing, it's like, um, you know, you have a guy, you know, who's in who's in your lap, so to speak, well, not necessarily in your lap. Well, we're going to we're going to play the clip, the clip in a second. But according to Ariel, Hwani, he's saying that uh, Francis Ngannou took this meeting out of respect that he had um, for um,
1: a verbal agreement with another. promoter. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, he, he he took the meeting out of respect knowing that he had a verbal agreement with another promotion which Cynthia Tong knew going in so that that, that makes it even that makes it even more, more interesting obviously we're gonna play the full clip for more context but that's a that's a that's a brief idea of that
1: and, I, and Zan I want to add one more point by the way because you're talking about one championship and big stars I mean Zan, and I, we might touch more upon this when we preview the one Fight night 10 card uh, today. But uh, I think back then to like 2018, when they went on that mass spending spree and got Eddie Alvarez, they traded Ben Askren's contract to the UFC to get Demetrius Johnson. Uh, They got Misha Tate and Rich Franklin as, you know, executives. Like they went all out to try and get this kind of, uh, you know, all this star power. And, and they ended up getting that deal with the TNT and the Turner Networks. And Xan, ever since then, it just, you know, has not been a hit. Now, do you want to blame, you know, the COVID pandemic? Do you want to blame uh, the weird start times, you know, because the championship, obviously, a Asian-based promotion broadcasting into the U.S. and some of the, you know, tape delay stuff. I mean,
2: the. The, the lack of American promotion, meaning on, meaning on our side of the table, so to speak, is very apparent. If you're not a hardcore MMA fan that follows one championship everywhere on social media, you probably wouldn't even know that this card was happening on Friday. Yeah. Let's be let's be, let's be let's be honest. And this isn't a knock on anyone over at one. I mean, shoot, I, I've already started to deal with their PR team and they're great. But... The issue that I have is that if one championship was more global and they tried more U S events instead of waiting until 2023, when they could have done this in 2019 um, and, and and stuff like that. um, I, I think, you know, as I alluded to before, like if this event doesn't go well, they might just keep their shows Asian based and it's on a smaller scale, but when you don't have these massive crossover fights that like Bellator and Ryzen do, or when the UFC you know has a signing come over uh, from the BFL for example, or when the UFC had you know Pride fighters unify their titles, there's less to get excited about. And I feel like that's one thing that one championship is missing. They're missing a big signing, you know, that was a former UFC champion, Grant Demetrius Johnson, is. But he's not the first guy that you really think of, of when it comes to crossover MMA stars, and I've, like that's the one thing that one championship is missing is just pure name value where all the fighters um are, are known to, to to even a general audience. <laughs> that's the and 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 Francis would uh would, would would defeat that mold. Obviously, obviously it's no longer happening, or at least it's looking that way. He's not going to sign with them, but. Still, I think that's one championship's biggest issue. It's not making the biggest fights possible. And you would think with all of those moves that you alluded to a couple of years ago that they'd be in a different place. And obviously, because of one mistake here, COVID here, whatever, here, they're not in that position. So it'll be interesting to see you know, how they kind of get through this and how this event in Colorado goes. But definitely, this Francis news is giving them the limelight that – I really think Charlie wants. I actually think he likes this. I think he likes getting a lot of attention. And even though it's negative press, I think that they're looking at all of this as a win. I know it's a weird opinion to have, but I actually think they're looking at this positively and not negatively.
1: It's it's an interesting point, Zan. All right. I think it's time to move on to the PFL side of the story. And Zan, I think now is the appropriate time to – play the clip. So this is Ariel Hawani, what I'm about to play here, talking on the MMA Hour from Monday. And actually, the credit here goes to both the MMA Hour uh, <laughs> MMA fighting and uh, Jedi Goodman, who we uh, gave the shout out to last week, uh, who posted the clip. So let's take a look now, Zan, at this clip from... Uh, Helwani's show, where he discusses Francis Ngannou. You know, he he discusses Chatry's side of the uh, him and Francis Ngannou negotiations. And Francis, uh, according to Helwani, gave him his, uh, his side, Francis's side of the story, in which he references a verbal agreement with another promotion, though does not exactly name it. So, take a listen in.
0: So I said, "All right, well, there's his side of the story. Let me get." Francis' side of the story, right? And so I reach out to Francis and I say, Hey, this is what was said to me. Now and at this point I saw the other articles. I'm like, this is what is being reported. Is this accurate? Is this what kind of happened? Uh Francis then says, you know, let me give you a call. Now it was like five AM over there and whatever. Gives me a call and we had a nice chat. Francis' side of the story is a little bit different. Um basically what I could share at this time, because he was he was he was very transparent. Francis is very close to signing a a new deal and with with another promotion. And according to Francis, he was very upfront about this. Um and so they left the meeting on good terms, but you know, both of them came to an understanding that because he had already, you know, kind of verbally com- committed to someone more than likely he's not going to won. his feeling. And I'll be honest, my feeling after getting both sides of the story is Chachri, which he's, you know, in his right to do, tried to get ahead of the story, tried to save face by putting it out there that we are withdrawing as opposed to, we couldn't close the deal and get this guy to come. Now, you know, I thought it was really interesting when he was in studio and talking about who the big players are, Thought it was really interesting when I asked him about PFL. That one seemed to be the one that really got him fired up. And so maybe coming off of that, he wants everyone to know, like, hey, we're in control here. We're not offering this guy a deal. It's not that he's choosing someone else. And, and you know, after a long conversation with Francis, that seems to be his side, and, and that's the kind of side that I'm leaning towards. That's no knock on them. And I asked him, and he said this came up in the call why did you take the meeting if you already had this commitment? He said, we had the meeting on the books. I felt like it was the right thing to do to, to hear him out, but I was transparent and didn't play any games with him and let him know that I have this and that I'm leaning towards this, but I still want to meet with you out of respect, come to L.A., and, uh, and hear you out. I think Chatri, you know, wanted to do a deal with Francis, is my understanding, came to the realization that he can't do a deal with him because he had this verbal commitment could even be signed this week. He tells me, and uh, this is the MMA side of his deal. There's an MMA component and a boxing component. And uh, I think he, he did the old PR move where you get ahead of it and you tell your side of the story and you make it seem like you're walking away as opposed to, you know, maybe you couldn't come to terms because he had a deal or he wanted something.
1: Now, Zan, what's very interesting in that clip is that Uh, You know, I mean, he's pointed, Halani pointed out, you know, all the different things that we have touched on. But what's really interesting to me is obviously, number one, the fact that he says, you know, he kind of gives the hint without saying it by saying, oh, I mean, when PFL, you know, when PFL was brought up, his eyes lit up. And Zan, I do remember when that interview happened between Francis and uh, Ariel." there was a strong interest about the PFL. Zan, if you remember that social media post where one of his family members is donning a PFL shirt. Uh, So that's that in mind. And then, Zan, at the end, which I think a lot of people are missing, is that there's also a boxing component to this deal.
2: Yeah. First off, very interesting clip. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, Ariel Helwani, arguably, or, or in most people's eyes, the single best MMA reporter in the business. Oh, Like 99.99% of what he says is true. So true. there's no reason to discount that this conversation actually did happen. I think it's very obvious that he's had a relationship for France, with Francis for quite a bit. And back to your boxing comment. I think that was the catch. So if you know anything about the PFL or this, or this new direction they are going, J- just hear me out. You have to understand Jake Paul was signed to the new super yeah. fight division. Therefore this boxing component makes it seem like, okay, if there's a boxing component involved in this, then that means Francis is going to the PFL, given that the news of Jake Paul happened earlier this year and the PFL wants to obviously expand their reach with crossover stars. I think it makes a lot of sense. And not to mention the fact that with the PFL having a deal with ESPN plus, that's also the same home as top rank. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. If there is a boxing component to it to have him fight on one linear network, which is ESPN and ESPN plus. So yeah, Ariel's comments are very interesting. Um, I mean, I mean, your 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 original question about the the PFL shirt and the and the picture that came out several months ago. I think it's becoming more and more apparent that that's where he's going. I think that was just a little a little uh, wink wink, nudge nudge for the people who didn't catch it that this is where he's been going all along. It was just a matter of finding the right terms. And he even said in that aerial interview in person in New York City that he's always wanted a box. So this makes sense from everything that he was saying months ago uh t- to where he's at now. So
1: and if all of this is true, all right. So you know actually you know what? Since we're gonna talk about PFL and we're gonna talk about the report, I think it's 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 within fairness that we bring up uh Al Zalino's tweet. So let me just quickly uh get that on the uh get that on our little streaming platform here. So here is Al Zalino's tweet. Uh quote, I've just been told Francis Ngannou could actually land a contract with the PFL very soon. Take this with a pinch of salt, but trying to confirm this with multiple sources close to the situation, it seems very likely to happen. Nothing confirmed or rinked yet, though, I'm hearing. What I am hearing the in the first reply, to continue it, what I'm hearing is negotiations have been going on for months, but they came to an agreement just a few days ago. Again, the pen has yet to be put on paper, I'm told. And then, of course, Zan... As we alluded to earlier, that uh, about an hour before we started recording again, uh, Chael and also getting in a mix and saying it's it's Francis going to the PFL. Um, and as we kind of uh, I want to go back to that January stream and the shows that we did in January and February, Zan. And I said, if you remember that PFL kind of made a lot of sense. It's kind of a match on both sides where you've got, you know, think about what the PFL The fact that they've landed Jake Paul and are creating this super fight division and they are going to need the talent to ensure that, you know, these super fight card pay-per-views that don't fit in with the season playoffs format that they, you know, that they are known for and that I love them for is going to, uh, is going to fit in. You need people like, like, obviously they've got Kayla, they've got Jake Paul now, somebody like Francis Ngannou. Oh, boy, that is, you know, that is a win in the pocket. And it's also a match for Francis Ngannou because of, you know, it's clear he wants to be a big money player. And, Zan, we have seen UFC and Bellator talent of late over the last few years ditch their promotion to go to the PFL for a shot at the $1 million, whether it be, you know, Olivier Aubin mercier whether it be Shane Burgos whether it be uh I'd say Brandon
2: Wangding.
1: Uh, I was going to say Brandon name, but he he got rejected on uh contender series. So I, I don't know how I can count that.
2: I I would say I would say that still counts considering he never fought an official UFC fight.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh I know this was towards the later end of his career and uh obviously COVID played a role in screwing things up but Uh, It was, I remember the news when Rory McDonald was leaving Bellator to go to the PFL.
2: Yeah, very, very well said.
1: So obviously, so obviously, you know, uh, again, Francis wouldn't be fighting, I would think, in the seasonal format to, you know, tournament formats. But if there's a $1 million prize, plus your, you know, your usual show money, win money for the fighters for the PFL in those tournaments somebody competing in a super fight and somebody of the star power like Francis Ganu, what could he be earning like i think i think it's a match all around for these guys it's uh it's a good money deal all around
2: yeah this is assuming that they play their cards right the biggest issue is who would francis fight that remains to be seen and this is the main issue that i have with it because uh, i don't mean to go on a rant but i'm just going to do it anyway okay so you have the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Let's, let's, let's say that again. You have the former UFC heavyweight champion in the world, the highest title you can win in MMA. And you mean to be telling me that he's now going to go in and fight, no disrespect to the, to the heavyweights in the PFL, but you mean to tell me that he's going to go fight guys that are 8-1, 8-2, 11-3, 12-4. What does that do for a guy's career when he's already been at the top of the sport, he's already beat the supposed greatest heavyweight ever. I think it only tarnishes it. And truly, if if the PFL is the right option for France, it's good for him. God bless him. He's going to hopefully get paid the money that he wants. But when you're the former heavyweight champion of the world, and it's clear and obvious, you don't want to fight the best in the world. I I think that says a lot about you and truly I really do think that I mean I I I I, I really think that um for both parties involved the UFC and Francis um it, which obviously the deal fell through I really do think that both of them are to blame more so Francis now for more warning but again former UFC heavyweight champion of the world and now I think he's just trying to dissolute his value uh, by doing this, and that's a real shame. And he, even even with the super fight division, like the, the, to me, there, there's just no other. The, the, there's just no other fighters that I feel could give him a competitive matchup that that makes it even remotely interesting. And you know, I think Bell I think Francis to Bellator is way more appealing than Francis to PFL. And I and I really think it just I think it just kind of waters down the product when you don't have the same caliber of fighters to fight the supposed baddest man on the planet. And I think it's a real it's a real shame. And and I think and I think these months of negotiations are really, really, really hurting his career. I said it a, a couple of minutes ago and I'm going to say it again. I, I, I really I really do think I, I do think financially he's making a huge mistake. I, I really I really do.
1: The one thing, Zan, that one thing I'm going to defend the PFL on is, Zan, they are have an opportunity in their lap to sign, as you alluded to, the former heavyweight champion in the world. Their biggest star, one, probably one of their biggest stars ever, not the biggest star ever. The fact that, you know, that he seems to want to be with the PFL. You cannot blame the PFL on this one. And, Zan, we have talked about this, you know, back in January that the one concern, that one of the biggest concerns, at least we were going to have about a Francis Ngannou free agency, was the fact that he was leaving the UFC and that the UFC's heavyweight division has the most star power to it. You know, even even though you say, yeah, Bellator, you know, has the better heavyweights, whether right or wrong, Bellator's heavyweight division still lacks in comparison to the UFC's. So, obviously, this was, you know, the point that you had made was going to be made one way or another with Francis Ngannou truly leaving the ultimate fighting championship. Now, how much of a role is the boxing end going to play into going to play into this? Because we have seen, you know, we have seen Clarissa Shields sign with PFL. We have seen as we said Jake Paul sign with PFL. So, how often is Francis Ngannou also going to be boxing?
2: Um, that's a good question. And I think it's a matter of who's across from him on the other side of the ring and how much money he plans to get, um, from, from whoever wants to fight him and from whoever the promoters are. Um, I think you're going to see Francis boxing more often than you think. I, I really, I really do, but it's going to be in this, um, in this lower level undercard, uh, main event, Francis Ngannou, uh, people show up to the event for the Francis fighting weed, That kind of that kind of thing.
1: Uh, I guess I could see that. I mean, Zan, we have heard the likes of say Eddie Hearn come out and say trying to you know negotiate a fight with uh, with Francis and involved. And Zan, what really? So we've talked about the MMA side of this, but let's talk about the boxing side of this. So. Uh, with the boxing side of this who do you think Francis Ngannou should fight first? We have had the teases about Ngannou and Fury we had the tease in if you remember about that he would fight like Derek Chizora first and then he would that would lead to a fight with Fury or somebody down the line there's a couple other names that have been teased here and there one of which we're going to talk about but probably may not happen depending on how his news case goes. That's the, that's the Deontay Wilder news, which we'll touch upon a little bit later. But San, who do you think would be a perfect first opponent for Francis Ngannou in boxing? And as you, I guess you kind of answered my next question already. Is that do you think Francis Ngannou is that if the boxing world is more of a fit for Francis Ngannou than any of the MMA promotions?
2: Um, I think a fight that would be very interesting would get people talking is Francis versus Andy Ruiz Jr. It would be very, very interesting.
0: Ooh,
1: that would be that would be quite the interesting kind of bout. Now, Andy Ruiz Jr. actually is also involved in negotiations for Deontay Wilder as well. Anthony Joshua also in there. Uh, but my other questions and do you think boxing? based on what you're saying already, do you think boxing is a better world for Francis Agano at this point post free agency than mixed martial arts.
2: I think so because if you're not going to go back to the UFC, what more do you have to prove on the MMA side? You've already I mean I mean think about it, you've already beat the 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 supposed goat of the heavyweight division Steve Miocic. You know that the John Jones fight will more than likely never happen. You beat Cyril Gunn who was supposed to be the guy to take your title that nearly did. Um, you know, you, you, you beat, um, you know, you, you beat other guys on your way up that were not easy challengers, including, uh, Jairzinho Rosenstreich, who fights, uh, a, a week from the this upcoming Saturday in Charlotte. I mean, you, you, you've done all the work in the heavyweight division that you can do to, to get to the level where you're at. I mean, in, I mean, the fight that would have been very interesting now, as we know, is, is Sergei, uh. Pavlovich, he just knocked out um, Curtis Blades a couple weeks ago. So, so that fight would have been interesting. But nonetheless, Francis has cleaned out the majority, if not all, of the current UFC heavyweight division. And now all that's left for him is just big fights with big paydays. And if they're not going to come in the UFC, why not have them come in boxing? I'm, and he's stated on multiple occasions that he's wanted to box. And, <laughs> And if this is something that he wants, I think he should be able to get those fights. And again, I think Ruiz Jr., you know, he's got a perfect build for that style. He's going to come after Francis. He's going to try to knock out Francis. Francis is going to try to knock out him. Uh, Ruiz Jr.'s gas tank is sometimes a question mark. It would be a very interesting fight. Francis having no boxing experience, probably lose, but I, I, I literally think if that fight ever happened, I think Francis would hold his own. I'm not picking to win that fight, but I think it would be, more competitive than people think so I, I i just think boxing at this point in his career uh what is he 36 37 38 somewhere in there i i, I think boxing at this point in his career is 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 his best move, as given what he's already done with the ufc heavyweight
1: title he is 36 by the way now i'm gonna okay. have a follow i'm gonna have a follow-up for that Because you're talking about that, the longer he stays out, the four months, you know, that he's had, you know, ever since he's officially parted ways with the UFC, you know, that it's been about a year and a half since he's last fought period, you know, could, do you still see the potential that a move to boxing not not only saves his career, but he can still have the thriving success like we talked about a few months ago?
2: I don't know if it saves his career, but it certainly gets people talking about him again. Uh, it gets him back in marquee fights again. It gets him back in big-time promotions. Whether he wins or loses, I think at this point, all he cares about is making the most money possible and giving that guy's story good for him. Um, I mean, he, he, he deserves all the money that he wants, but my biggest issue with him is asking for unrealistic expectations, and that's what the UFC in one championship um, is making it seem like. So if he can get the right deal under him and get his legs back together, he's going to be, he's going to be all right. I just think at this point in his career uh, to, to not cause any further harm. Uh, I, I don't think MMA is really the move for him anymore. I, again, like I said, I think he's done everything in the sport except for fight uh, John Jones. And obviously that's not going to happen for as long as Jones stays around, And even if he does stay around who he knows with him at this point, but I really think at this point in his career, as he's getting up there and he's near 40 years old um, boxing and fun fights is where Francis's mind should be at and trying to make the most money possible. In my opinion.
1: Last question that I have, it's back on the MMA side because let's talk about the PFL because we're talking all about Francis and for good reason about all the focus on Francis. But do you think kind of like what we referred to a few months ago, if, PFL can sign Francis Ngannou, is this a massive win? And if PFL signs Francis Ngannou, you know, in spite of the feelings about the first part of their season so far, do you think they can officially jump Bellator as the number two promotion in the world with a signing like Francis?
2: Uh, I still don't think they can, simply because I just don't think they're... I know you love the season format, but... You know how I feel. I don't think the season format really works in MMA. The fights don't feel as big. When France is being added to a super fight kind of division, get people talking about the PFL. Would it help ESPN and ESPN plus his numbers? Of course. But when you have a format that isn't like, you know, your traditional Bellators and UFCs, I, I think it causes a problem. And I, I think it's only just going to be, you know, you know, a name. I, I don't think it's going to make them the, the the number two promotion in the world. I've had my issues with PFL ever since they rebranded to being the PFL. So would it be a massive signing? Yeah, but to, to compare every roster, all three rosters side by side, they're not they're not number two in my opinion.
1: Okay. We've talked a lot about this, and Zan, I, I think it's safe to say we will continue to talk about this as the weeks go on. I think it's going to be quite the May. Like, as NSYNC saying, it's going to be May, but it's going to be quite the May with this kind of news. And actually, Zan, we have two other news stories that can, in some ways, kind of still connect to this one. So, I bring up PFL and Bellator. I think we just, we got to get out there. So, this is not... Official, look at that. Look at that first word right there. That is rumor. So, it is a rumor that has started spewing last week that uh, you know, after our episode already aired, you know, a couple of days out, because of course, that's how it goes at the Empty Dimension the Network. Uh, that the PFL has at least an interest in potentially buying Bellator. Now, Zan, I think we have talked about this sh- on the show, like you know when Bellator was getting ready for CBS, uh, you know, the network CBS uh, debut back in uh, February when they had the Fedor versus Beta rematch. We were talking about, about Bellator switching hands and that they potentially could be up for sale again this year. And now there was a rumor that was started on, I think it was the Todd Atkins show, Todd Atkins uh, MMA that PFL could be buying Bellator. Now, granted, you have seen the likes of Alzolino, and I think uh, another one of our friends and former colleagues, in Drake Riggs, both shoot this rumor down. However, you also have seen the likes of <laughs> you have seen the likes of Bloody Elbow, and you have even seen the likes and of Xana Spinning Back. This the um, the branch from Barstool Sports also post this story out there. So I think it is right to at least bring it up that. There is a rumor going around about PFL buying Bellator. Bellator officials have shot this rumor down. Zan, what do you think of this story? Regardless,
2: yeah, I mean the one person you're you're missing who confirmed that Bellator officials have shut it down is our good friend Dylan Rush. So shout it to him. For, so shout it to him for being on the case uh, for that. That guy's a young rising star in the business, very close to my age. Just great. Um, or is going to be graduating from Arizona State in just a couple of weeks. But uh, but, but nonetheless, yeah. although this is a rumor, this is very interesting because this has been something that I think has been speculated for quite a bit. The, the thing that is interesting to me is you would think, just with the level of popularity, that it would be the other way around. Bellator would be seeking out the PFL, but no, it's the PFL – with the ESPN deal who wants to buy Bellator. I think this is very interesting. I've seen some mixes that it would be bad for the sport, other mixes where it would be good. I actually think it would be phenomenal for the sport because you'd be combining two two rosters, two multiple um, two rosters with multiple time world champions for multiple different promotions, all under the same umbrella to compete against the UFC. You want to talk about an MMA style world cup. Something that Dana White hinted at 10 years ago. I think if the PFL buys Bellator, we could get closer and closer to seeing that. And I don't understand I don't understand how it would be bad for the sport. I actually think it would be fun for the sport. I think both of those promotions could come together. Both of those fan bases could come together. They're very niche fan bases. And they could have a real case against the UFC of being the clear number two in the world. And who doesn't like mergers, right? So I don't, I don't I don't, see how this is a bad thing for any party involved. I actually think it would be very good, and I think it would be good for Scott Coker to, to say when he retires that he was a part of another promotion in his long 30-plus career of promoting fights.
1: I think the reason that people are a little scared about this kind of thing is that that means it's one less promotion and a big promotion, like the noteworthy promotions, that a – that, a, you know, a fighter could go to. But that's, of course, that the PFL absorbs Bellator. They could do what <laughs> UFC did and just run the promotions simultaneously until, of course, the UFC, uh, you know, when the UFC purchased uh, strike force uh, about a decade ago. Um, but actually, Zan, you talk about, about you, you know, you thought it would be Bellator buying PFL. You know who I honestly thought, you know, it came into my mind who could have purchased Bellator? Because, you know, Zan, We've seen UFC do it for me. They purchased Force, They purchased Pride. They purchased WFA. You know, yeah, it was like, you know, could they, you know, if Bellator ever, you know, their momentum run out, could have just been another purchase by the UFC. And then, you know, we grab these fighters. We do these unification bouts. We do the, you know, we add this to the fight pass. So the fact that the PFL is in on this is kind of, uh, or, or reportedly in on this, is kind of uh, interesting in my mind because it's, it's completely different.
2: Yeah, um, and, and it also, you know, begs the question from a TV perspective, will Showtime and ESPN collaborate? Will it just simply be that now every event from the PFL will be on ESPN and Bellator will just simply go away? It'll, it'll be very interesting if this deal actually comes to fruition. But again, as I've alluded to before, I think it's great for the sport, even with another promotion no longer existing, I think it goes to show that there's two clear major players at the top of the MMA space, and that would be this presumed PFL-Bellator merger as one and the UFC as the number one promotion. So I think it would create for a lot of drama, a lot of buzz, a lot of uh, potentially trades. It it, it could spark a new era of MMA free agency. I think there's a lot of possibilities of of, of of this coming to fruition and not to mention the fact that with the PFL being on ESPN and the UFC being on ESPN, I think you could see a lot more, uh, trades, a lot more MMA free agency. Um, a lot of different things that people aren't talking about at the moment that I think could be very possible. If this deal actually comes to fruition and could make for some very sudden fights.
1: And Zen, I will add that if PFL and Bellator both, you know, stay around a UFC strike force, you know, maybe we could finally get that Bellator PFL cross promotional show.
2: True, to see uh, who the number two promotion in the world is.
1: All right, uh, the, let's go to the boxing end because, as we, as I alluded to, uh, Francis Ngannou, uh about potential opponents for boxing. We have had, as you said, Andy Ruiz Jr., Anthony Joshua, Deontay, uh, Tyson Fury. And Deontay Wilder was also an interesting name to come up, however. And, and Deontay Wilder is supposed to, you know, rumor is potentially fight in December. But I don't know if that will still be the case. Deontay Wilder has been arrested in Los Angeles on a felony concealed weapon gun charge. So the story goes as far as, as, far as I can remember the details. Uh Deontay Wilder was a usual traffic, you know, a normal traffic stop, pulled over, had uh something in the car. I, I know he the story is that he had a nine millimeter gun in the car, but I think there was also uh it was, drugs a, it, was
2: it was it was it was a stint of marijuana. They, they, marijuana could, they, yeah. they, could, they, they could smell marijuana in the vehicle.
1: So obviously now, Zan, things uh A little uncertain, and it puts a little eerie feeling in me, Zan, because this is the second week in a row where we've had an arrest, and we talk, you know, arrest of somebody who's either a boxer of a trade or a boxer who is coming up for a big boxing match, Shala, Nate Diaz last week, and everything is kind of in a question mark because of an arrest.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, let's just put it up again, because we have to do it every week. Boxing, again, is getting in its own way. Look at what we have again. We have another massive star, this time in the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder, rumored to, you know, have a big fight in Saudi Arabia later this year in December to try to have this massive heavyweight Super Bowl-style super Bowl card, which obviously is probably not going to happen now. But, I mean, it, it just it just goes to show every week there's something weird in boxing that goes on. This is probably just going to be one of those things where he's going to either take the fine or go to court or whatever it is he has to do. But I think it's one of those things where like he tweeted, um, I don't think there's really much to worry about as far as we know. Um, he didn't actually use the gun. No one was seriously injured as far as far as the current reports go. So I'm not saying that he's that he's guilty of any kind. Should he add a concealed weapon on him? Probably not. But I think it just goes to show that, uh, that boxing just can't seem to celebrate even a little bit. I mean, we alluded to this before uh, the show started. I mean, even though Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia did great, it had 1.2 million pay-per-view buys, there were still several thousands of people who couldn't even see the fight. So no matter how how well boxing does, it's always uh, two steps forward, three steps back. And this is just another one of those endless examples for over the thousandth time, another Major boxer gets into trouble and it affects the whole sport.
1: And I mean, Zan, in all fairness about those fights coming up with Saudi Arabia, that could, I mean, could have potentially come up with Saudi Arabia. I mean, you had Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz Jr. as a possibility, but Zan, that's four years too late because you had the opportunity, you know, when PVC had both of them, had both of them, had both of them as the heavyweight champions of the world to the undisputed title fight. Now, granted, Anthony Joshua had the rematch clause, Ruiz lost the fight, so. Obviously, you know, you can't fully blame Wilder on that one. And then Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. Well, I mean, Zan, if we actually got that, you know, that would have been six years way too late. But again, I guess goes alongside with boxing. And now we may not get this fight at all. Unless, Zan, in December in Saudi Arabia, we do Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz three.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's a fight that I don't think anybody wants to see. Uh, why force myself to sit through and watch the torture probably, but it's a fight that no, it's it's a fight that nobody wants. And as Dana White likes to say, you know, back when he was a kid, he would be so hyped up. He'd watch everything le- leading up to the fight. He'd have all his buddies over on Saturday. They buy the fight and nobody would fight. And 20 years later, or so the same thing is happening, except we're not actually getting fights. We're we're just getting bad stuff outside of the ring that 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 has nothing to do with actual fisticuffs. And this is just another example of it. So, um, I guess I guess way to go to the incompetence that is um that is boxing outside of the spur circle. Way to go, <laughs> way to go, boxing. You lost again.
1: <laughs> way to go. <laughs> Do I have to put it up one more time? Probably. Okay. There you go. Boxing
2: gets in his own way yet again. This time it is the May third, twenty twenty three edition on on the uh, or on the heels of a massive fight in Guadalajara, Mexico, which we'll get to near the end of the show and this and,
1: Bandar- and this banner, End will probably come up during that one as well.
2: Probably, because the fight will probably be either very underwhelming, A, or B, no one around the world will be able to watch it.
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about a couple other news stories before we get into our previews. So, we finally have an answer, Sand, to that August 5th debacle. So, UFC 291 will still take place on July 29th, but instead of London, which will now get the, US, the UFC Fight Night on July 22nd, UFC 299, 291 on July 29th will return to Salt Lake City. It'll be, you know, 11, just shy of a year after Leon Edwards pulled off the massive upset in Salt Lake City against Kamaru Usman. August 5th, however, the UFC will still run a card. They're going to return to Nashville for the first time since uh, Anthony Pettis knocked out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That'll take place on August 5th and will run We assumingly will run against uh, Nate Diaz, Jake Paul.
2: Yeah, very interesting. Give me your early thoughts on
1: that. Uh, I mean, good for the sports in that, you know, you're not going to have to have, I mean, you're going to still have the two uh, screens side by side, but obviously there's one thing that's probably going to be bigger than the other, unless Dana has something, you know, a bit of a fastball in mind for the Nashville card main event.
2: Well, um, I'm gonna say there were reports uh, before we came on the air that um, that uh, Hamza Jemayev is interested in fighting Kamara Usman. Could you could you see that being a possibility for UFC 291?
1: Oh, that would be that would be interesting. Uh, so, Zan, could you see a scenario? I uh, granted, we've already talked about the Leon Colby negotiations, but. Could you see a scenario where it's Leon Colby in the main and Camaro versus Hamzad in the co main? Like we had right. e versus Connor in the main and Tony versus uh Pettison to the co-main.
2: It might be the it might be the the biggest uh, main event, co main event, welterweight combination in UFC history, so sign me up for it. But this is gonna go against Dana's claim that Hamzad was only gonna fight at middleweight now, so we have no idea.
1: That's true too. So I mean, either Dana lies, or, or there's been some change of plan where Hamzad is basically, you know, Hamzad is forcing his way into what he wants.
2: Or it's simply saying that uh, that's effing illegal, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hold on, Zen. Let's see. Do we have uh, something from Dana here? You're in there to protect oh. her from herself. Uh, darn it! I, I started it too early. Okay, there you got the you moron, close enough.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, uh, July 29th, it's uh, usually late July cards are infamously bad for the UFC. UFC 277 was pretty decent. Uh, so that that also rules out another thing. Um, so just, I, I'm sure you guys can figure it out by now, but that'll be in the midst of uh, the ultimate fighter season. So you won't see Conor McGregor's return um, at that event, and uh, we're going to get more into Conor McGregor being back in the news in just a second. But something tells me that we're either going to get a downer, we're going to get a downer of a main event, or a main event uh, that nobody asked for, one or the one or the other. You know what? You know what? It, you know what it could? You know what it could very well be. I, I could see this being a. Uh, I could see Salt Lake City um, being disappointed with a women's flyweight title fight as the main event
1: they wouldn't book that as a main event would they you don't, you don't th- you don't think so they wouldn't book that as a main event i mean no disrespect to weary Zhang. oh no 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 wait, wait wait you said flyweight not strawweight
2: yeah women's okay, flyweight
1: you, For a second i thought you were gonna, I, for a second i thought you were refer- talk, referring to the strawweights i'm like wait no a no,
2: minute. no 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 the
1: the women's flyweight division oh you think they've run the grosso shevchenko rematch there oh yeah I mean, Zen, we're about a month away from getting Amanda Nuna Suliana Pena three. We all signed up for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think not. <laughs> I-
2: oh the oh the oh the UFC continues to let us down, but hey. UFC 291 in Salt Lake City, good for the people who couldn't go to the one a year ago. So, maybe it can make up for it by going to 291 for those who didn't go to the one uh, last August. All
1: right, Zan, let's get the Connor story over with. So, we never talk about bare knuckle fighting on this show. However, considering the name of the person involved in this story, I guess... As MMA media, we are obligated to do this story now. So, Mike Perry puts a bean on Luke Rockhold in BKFC, so much so that the that Luke Rockhold quits on himself. He quits the fight just like the Rangers quit on themselves in the playoffs, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and so, Mike Perry gets the win. And Conor McGregor, who appeared at BKFC, and he had a, a ticket for the crowd. Mike Perry starts talking trash, and Conor McGregor gets in the ring for a stare down. Uh, how do I put this in? How do, uh, which way? Okay, I think I found, I think I found a sound effect that really gives my feelings on this. No! I don't want to see this!
2: Um, yeah, unless you're uh, unless you're really really a compulsive gambler that really wants to throw money down on that, on that quote unquote, uh, you shouldn't read too much into this. This is David Feldman being David Feldman, he wants all the views he can possibly get. Uh, BKFC, as a matter of fact, had issues with their pay per view anyway. Um, apparently, according to some people who bought it, they weren't able to see it, the prelims were mislabeled at the wrong time. This just adds to the circus that was the BKFC event, which actually was a pretty decent event, had some pretty decent fights on it, but Conor McGregor just made the event uh, more drunk in in, in MMA fans' minds than what it it already was. Um, And, of course, when you see Conor slamming his proper 12 whiskey, that probably means he isn't focused on fighting, which now begs the question, when will this Michael Chandler fight happen uh, if, if it even will happen at this point, is this one of those tough seasons where the coaches don't fight? Maybe I am overreacting about that, but still it's Conor McGregor being Conor McGregor. So there you go.
1: Or, Zan, you know, we're going to watch the whole tough season. You do think we're going to get the fight. And then all of a sudden the last episode of the season, oh, swerve, Conor's not going to fight. Enter uh, enter Dustin Poirier or enter Justin Gaethje now which no disrespect to them because I love the both of them, but obviously that's not the reason for this tough season. Well,
2: I'm still holding out hope that September or October UFC 292 or 293. We do end up getting Chandler versus McGregor, but who the heck knows Connor's being Connor and having a great time. Uh, It's, it's bizarre that he was given a BKFC belt. It seems like a lot of that was very, uh, Staged slash spur of the moment, but it, it seemed like it was somewhat planned out. Uh, it just—it just was it just, it, it, it just, it just a little odd to me. Is—is is what is what i say. It made you yeah. say like, WT, WTF is going on here?" <laughs> oh,
1: hang, hang on, Zan Hang on. I have that sound effect somewhere. Ah, I do. There you go. That's what you were asking. And uh, Zan he's just going to be the bug collector again. He's got two UFC titles, and now he's gonna. He, now he grabs a BKFC belt. Give me your belt.
2: Yeah, and uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere Dana somebody commented on Instagram that somewhere Dana White was having a heart attack, and then somebody else replied, "Oh no, Dana White's just out gambling again." And sure, sure enough, um, I think I think he was. So th- there's no way he doesn't know about this, but uh, but still, it's just I Conor McGregor you. being Conor McGregor in, in my in you. my opinion.
1: My question, Zan, is that the you know, if 288's having a press conference and the post fight press conference, which media member or supposed media member is going to ask the question about Connor in the BKFC appearance?
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna say if if Nolan King is there, he's gonna ask the question. But if he's not, if if he nor Alex Bayhunen are there, nor Oscar Willis, I'm gonna say the answer is no one. Maybe, maybe maybe, actually no. Let me take that back. Uh, But John Morgan is one of the most seasoned veterans in the business. I could very much see him
1: asking
2: asking that asking that question just because he he is part of the first question unofficial club, if you will.
1: So well, well, hey, you know what? I was a one time member of that too. Wait,
2: did you actually get the first question at two forty four? Did you get Or did you get one of them?
1: I got the first question. Wow, that is, that I, is I'm hilarious. in the club of John Morgan.
2: That is that is that is hilarious.
1: Um, um but my question was, and I, I had a follow up, which was: regardless of who it is, how quickly will Dana shut it down and say, "I don't want to talk about that"? I I actually
2: think it depends on who asked the question.
1: Well, let, let me put it this way. You don't have to worry about this fight. Conor is under a UFC contract. Regardless of what's going on with Chandler and Yasada and all that, he is not going to... And if it's it's Conor McGregor. Why would he take the step down and fight Mike Perry in bare-knuckle boxing? Come on.
2: Yeah, that's like the lowest of the love that you could possibly get, for sure. Um, would people still suck up and buy it? Absolutely. be the biggest BKFC fight ever. So, of course...
1: Uh, speaking of fights, Sam, we did have a fight this past weekend. You know, we can't really uh, forget that, where Song Yadong and Ricky Simone put on uh, a bit of a striking clinic. Well, I think the clinic was more in Yadong's favor, and Yadong uh, brutalized uh, Ricky Simone uh, in rounds three or four to the point where round five, it didn't take long before Yadong got the stoppage.
2: Yeah, very impressive win. Uh, it'll be a good warning experience for Simone, but. Song Yudong is still that dude, even five and a half years later, and he's still showing that he's one of the best in that division, and it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here, for sure. Very, very impressive.
1: For sure. All right, Zan. We got a lot of previewing we still got to do, so let's run through these fights now. We're going to begin with one championship. That takes place on Friday night on Amazon Prime, main event Demetrius Johnson, Adriano Marias, three. Marias won the first fight, retained the Flyweight title in quite shocking, Zan, a finish of Demetrius Johnson. And then Mighty Mouse won the second fight. He is the one Flyweight champion. They meet for the third time. It's the first ever trilogy that Mighty Mouse is a part of. And there's been little hints, Zan, that this could potentially be the swan song for Mighty (laughs) Mouse.
2: Yeah. If it is hats off to him, he um he did something that not a lot of fighters would do, and that's bet on himself and go to one championship to try to see how the second half of his career would go. And it's obvious that Demetrius Johnson is still one of the best ever. Um, I do think he retires after this fight, but I'm actually picking him to win. I think if he does go out on this swan song, I think he does it on top. I think he knows Marias on some levels better than Mariah's Nodes himself. And I think he's going to fight very well. It's going to, it's going to be a great fight.
1: Yeah. So I, maybe it's just because I really like Mighty Mouse. I don't want it to happen. I don't want him to, you know, retire, but obviously he has done so much in the sport already that, you know, if this very well could be his swan song, song and all the best to him, if it absolutely is, uh, If you remember, Zan, when we covered the rematch, I had picked Marias because he had done something that nobody had done before in knocking out Mighty Mouse. However, Zan, that second fight showed to me that that first fight, not that Adriano Marias, you know, not to trash on him because he is an excellent, uh, he is an excellent fighter for one's flyweight division, but as you kind of alluded to, Mighty Mouse, once the king of flyweights and always seems to be the king of flyweights, so... I say Demetrius Johnson gets a finish of Adriano Moraes again and goes out on top.
2: Okay, do, do you have an ending before the fifth round? Because I have an ending in the second.
1: Uh, when did the where did the second fight end? Was that second or third round? It was.
2: Uh, it was. It was earlier. It. It, it, it was one of the those two, but you can definitely triple check, so we're getting it
1: right. Yeah, I really do want to triple check and make sure because. I could see Adriano Marias maybe putting up a little more of a fight. Actually it was oh it was in the fourth. It was in the fourth. I can't he lasted that long. Wow. Okay. Uh you know what? I'll play it safe. I'm gonna go three. I say round three finish.
2: Okay, I'm gonna say under three and a half and Demetrius Johnson wins. Just on just under three and a half.
1: All right. Uh, a couple other fights, Xander, we might want to take note of. Sage Northcutt. So, Zan, once upon a time, Sage Northcutt was, you know, somebody that the UFC pushed so heavily. He was a bright kid. He was young. He was excellent, you know, for what he for the opponents that he faced. And then UFC decided for some reason to part ways with him. He goes over to one championship as part of their, you know, magical 2018-2019 and then he fights Cosmo Alexandra in May of 2019, and well, his face gets wrecked so much he has to undergo all this surgery. And you know, Sage Northcutt Zan is a pretty boy, and I don't mean that in an insulting way. He Zan is a model. He's Zan. He is like you know the perfect Hollywood style figure. And part of that got ruined when he got knocked out by uh, Cosmo Alexandra. and he hasn't fought since. And now this is going to be his return fight. Do you see the
2: yeah. I mean, um, I mean, the 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 guy who he's fighting. I bet you anyone out of the hardcore fan base, and I'm gonna be the first to admit that I don't even really know who his opponent truly is. So I can't really say whether or not th- not Ahmed is a threat. Um, I, I guess I'm gonna throw it back over to you. How how much do you know about, about him, and do you think Sage North could, could be in trouble at any point in his fight, or is this a tune-up fight for him? What do you what do you think?
1: so he is 10 and 2 i actually have a statology page up so ahmed uchtaba is 10 and 2 he has fought for one championship for most of his mma career his last fight came in november a first round triangle choke of Abrao amorum here's our here's all of his opponents records going from his debut to most recent 0 and 0 0 and 0 2 and 1 1 and 0 0 and 0 2 and 0 3 and 0 4 and 2 <laughs> Three, four, and two, seven, and five, nine, and three. And he's on a two fight win streak.
2: So, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of competition.
1: Right. I mean, the, the beginning O and O's and one of those, I thought, I, you can forgive because that's the beginning of his professional career. But by the seven fight, he was fighting as the, somebody, you know, I'm like, eh. Uh...
2: Yeah, just, I don't
1: Sorry, go, and I'm, go. I'm just go really on. concerned about Sage Cup, because he got knocked out brutally. It's been four years since we've seen him fight, and you know, I mean, I, I always, you know, you know, I always champion, you know, GSP going from twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen, not fighting, and then winning the middleweight title. But just, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of unknowns. But do you think, given Ahmad's track record, that Sage should be able to win this fight? On paper, he should, right?
1: On paper, on paper. I'm just getting this real feeling that Muchaba might pull off a surprise. Well, hey, it going to
2: be one championship without madness, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so with that, uh I'm gonna go Muchaba first round finish.
2: <laughs> wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Sage Nordic Cup plays it safe and wins a very close, heavily debated, controversial decision over uh, Muchaba.
1: Well, I wouldn't be surprised on that either. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, just and just to promote this, because then we interviewed uh, you interviewed online and Sang fighting Fan Wrong, and and you actually interviewed Fan Wrong as well just recently for BJ Pet Fan dot com, didn't you?
2: Um. Oh no, it was. I, I'm. I'm sorry. I meant On Song's interview ahead of his fight with Fan Wrong. I have oh, not yeah. actually spoken to. Fan wrong that
1: would be that would be cool but i was not able to get the other side okay i, I was gonna say I, I you had said fan wrong before and i got a little confused so i, I knew you did online and son for for us and for com. so yeah we interviewed all uh, you interviewed all on son so we got to talk about this fight uh i could see all Unsan and son winning this one
2: yeah i could too and uh... When I have covered him on and off for the last several years, and he's just overall a great guy, this is a very tough opponent for him, as he alluded to to me a couple weeks ago. Um, he he doesn't think that, that Ron's grappling is bad, but he did allude to it and say that he's better than wrong everywhere, and I really can't disagree with him. He obviously has the experience factor, and I think he gets it done before the fourth round. I actually think he wins in round two.
1: I like that. I like that prediction. All right. Uh, I'll go I'll go round two. For okay. All right. Let's go to the UFC. So, it's the big one of the weekend, in my personal opinion. Obviously, the card has been a little shaken up over the last month or so. Main event is still the same. Henry Cejudo, ever since, you know, for the first time since retiring three years ago, he's coming back, and he wants the Bantamweight Championship back, and he's going to be taking on Aljamain Sterling.
2: Yeah, this is a super fight that we've waited a couple of years to see. Is it happening at the perfect time? Probably not. You could argue it probably should have happened in about 2021 or so, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I I would say um I mean I mean this is one of those where, you know, I think it depends on what Sakudo shows up. We've never seen him off of a long way off like this. So it'll be very interesting. And um We'll see how hungry Sterling is. He's been waiting for this fight for a while. Um, you know, they both had a little interaction earlier this week in the fighter Hotel. Uh, they both can't wait to put on a show. This is going to be a great fight. It's a great hardcore fight. But Aljo, essentially in his hometown, the fight is in Newark. He's from Long Island, uh, that area. I just don't see how Sterling loses in front of his people. I think he defends the Bantamweight title, but Segundo puts on a good show. Whether or not it is Cejudo's final, final MMA fight remains to be seen, but Cejudo is a nice welcome back to an already crowded UFC Bantamweight division and, of course, with Sean O'Malley waiting in the wings right after, whether you like it or not.
1: Whether we like it or not, which is kind of sad, Sam, because if Cejudo wins, that would be the perfect opportunity for one person who, you know, for the longest time has just, you know, we've used the term, the bodyguard instead of the challenger it would be the perfect time for Marav Devalishvili to challenge if Henry Cejudo were to win this fight. And we have seen Henry Cejudo, you know, we only have seen him a couple of times at Bantamweight when he fought Marlon Moraes And then when he fought Marlon, he was down 0-2. No doubt about it.
2: Yeah, he was down 0-2. I was there in attendance. I can attest that he was losing the fight. Through two rounds, and then slowly but surely turned it on. And obviously the fourth round was his, and he fought tremendously and won and uh, made the Chicago crowd very happy. But I got to say, even though it was four years ago, there were more Mariahs fans there than Segudo fans. I think there were a lot more upset people than happy people at the United Center that night.
1: For sure. And Zen, I think this is going to be a weekend of madness because I could see a very similar circumstance to that Marais fight, where Sterling puts up a really good fight and puts a beating on him for a couple of rounds, and then Cejudo just, you know, he manages to fight back in circumstances where it feels like he shouldn't. And Cejudo, he is a scrapper. He is a scrapper with assists. He is a scrapper on the ground especially. And then I am going to say fourth-round finish Henry Cejudo wins the bantamweight championship. Give me the madness.
2: Well, you haven't been wrong on these predictions um, as of yet this year. However, uh, however, I I do um, I I do have to tell you that I've that I've gotten you in a couple of them so far on these pay per views. Let's see let's see who's right here. But I'm going to take the other side and say Sterling, and I think it'll end up being a very very good fight and a fight that's going to live up to all expectations and just show that Bantamweight is still one of the best divisions in the UFC, if not the class of the whole organization. Um, speaking of big fights, uh, another fight that was recently announced that's now being split right into, um, right into the fire. Unfortunately, was not featured on the countdown. That's a real shame. And by the way, I've not watched the countdown, but according to people who did, this fight was not featured on a five round co-main event. Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns. Burns. Um, good, good for him taking this fight on just literally a, a month after his last win against Rory Masvidal. This is a fight of all fights, and this is almost one of those words like, okay, Colby, it's put up or shut up. If you don't take this fight, we're gonna give it to the winner of this one. Smart matchmaking by the UFC here to make this fight happen. Blah Muhammad's been waiting for a massive fight like this to happen. This is his moment to shine. Um, I'd like to see him win, given that he's from Chicago. But the run that Burns has been on as of late, even though he did lose to Jemaya, is very impressive. I don't see how Burns um, uh, loses on Saturday. It will be a fight of the year contender, no doubt, though.
1: I, I see very big things for this fight. And, Zan, I could see this fight. You know, I mean, it was the fight that saved this card and in terms of the buildup. And I think it's going to be the fight that also saves this card in terms of, you know... Like you kind of alluded to, I think this is my pick for fight of the night. I think this is going to be a fight of the year candidate. I think Gilbert Burns is an incredible individual for taking this fight just one month after fighting Hori Masvidal. I think that Bilal Muhammad, you know, he is overdue for a big fight like this and an opportunity to get a title shot. So I think both are going to bring their A game. I think this is going to be a brawl. I think this is going to be, you know, everything that it could be and more. I know Bilal Muhammad is on an incredible run, where his only non win was the no contest against the current champion in Leon. But as you kind of alluded to, with the run that Burns is on, I don't know if I can necessarily pick against him. Plus, you know, I mean Leon Edwards versus Gilbert Burns, right there can't. So here's what I'm going to say: Bilal Muhammad, and 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 I have a concern about Bilal Muhammad in that. He originally wasn't taking fights, supposedly because Ramadan, you know, Ramadan was being celebrated. Now he's jumping right into this. I don't know how ready his body is going to be. So I think Bilal Muhammad's body will hold up. I think he will put on an incredible performance, but I see Burns winning a five-round decision.
2: Interesting. Uh, yeah, I could even I just see Burns stopping Muhammad late in the fourth, but it'll be it'll be a good fight.
1: We also got featured on the UFC 288 main card. Jessica Andrade taking on Yan Nan in a uh, this would be a women's strawweight fight, right?
2: Yeah, this is Drake Riggs's main event. If you, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, I think he's, I think he's more excited about, um, about this fight than any other MMA consumer on the planet. And, uh, and I don't think, and, and, and I don't think you could disagree with that this is his favorite fight on this
1: card <laughs> i did not see that one coming oh my god <laughs> you, you called me from left field on that comment um uh,
2: I, 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 I I had to given given the way hey, that he has covered this fight from all angles I, I i could I could tell that he's very interested in it
1: he is the women's mma expert um
2: that that is that is true is I, this the time where Yan Shannon beats a former UFC champion or do you think this is a learning experience for her what do, you, what do you think?
1: To, to the former, yes. Because I am very concerned about Jessica Andrade heading into this fight. Obviously, she has had her wins. But, Zan, I mean, she's coming off of a fight where, like I said, if she, I, I think I had talked about this when that fight had come up, that Erin Blanchfield, when she won that fight against Andrade, that was huge for her, and that was a huge blow for Andrade. Because the question at this point now is where does Andrade fit into the contenders rankings and then I think uh Yan has a lot more to gain in this fight than Andraj and Andraj has a lot more to lose in this fight than Jan Jonon. So the pressure's on Andraj and I think I think she folds. I think Jan takes this one in the decision.
2: Really? I actually think um Sinan finishes her in the second, but it'll be it'll be a good one.
1: I'm I was tempted to go with a late finish too, but I just I don't know. I think Andraj is gonna be enough. Gonna be able to hold off enough to see the distance.
2: Okay, that works.
1: All right, let's talk about this next fight for just a second because this is a very recent development as well. The original plan had been for Evol- Ev Evloev taking on Diego Lope I mean, taking on Bryce Mitchell. However, a late blow to the UFC 288 main card, Bryce Mitchell suffers injury. He is out. Diego Lopez steps in on just you know on less than a week's notice. Yeah,
2: um e- Evaloff, I think this is a fight where he just needs to stay focused. Um it doesn't matter who the opponent is on the other side. Um if if Diego wins it's one of the biggest upsets of the year, but given the quick turnaround, I just don't see how he, It's done e- um Evilov has been in camp for over 10 weeks preparing for Mitchell. I just think it's one of those situations where it's going to be very similar to TJ Dillashaw versus Joe Soto. Obviously, Soto took the fight on literally a day's notice, and even though he hung in there, it didn't go well. This is obviously a different circumstance. This isn't a title fight, but I just don't see how, how Diego Lopez has a chance. And if he and if he does win, we're going to be we're going to be a uh, we're going to be screaming about it. Um next, next week if he does win saying where the heck did this guy come from? Yeah. This is this is this could be this could be a this could be a, oh my goodness type of fight or this could be a fight where it goes the way that's expected. But props to Lopez for taking this fight on very short notice, just a couple of days. But evil bob is a different beast. I was gonna be picking him if it if it still was gonna be Bryce Mitchell, and I'm still picking him in this spot too.
1: And Zan, you talk about, you know, the kind of, we talk about that Lopez is taking this final five days' notice and credit to him. But the other thing to take into consideration, and I mean, you probably took this into consideration too when you were picking him over Mitchell. Listen to his run, Zan, ever since they been in UFC when they went to Russia in 2019. Sungwoo Choi, Enrique Barzola, Mike Grundy, Nick Lentz, Hakeem Dadu, and Dan Ige. That's an impressive first six fights.
2: Um. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not. It's not just impressive. It's a run that you'd expect from a from a from a, a future top contender and a and a future potential champion. It's very impressive.
1: The only thing he doesn't have on the, on that record uh, for the octagon is a finish. And but I think that it's the same thing that goes here. I'm gonna say love it by uh, by decision.
2: It's not. A, it's not a bad pick. I I have him by decision as well.
1: UFC 288 main card is going to open with a really interesting bout that I kind of like the sound of Kron Gracie versus Charles Jourdain.
2: Yeah, this is this is going to be a good one. Um it's hard to pick against Jourdain though. He's always a very exciting fighter as long as he can avoid um the impressive jujitsu of Gracie. I think he's going to be fine and I think he edges a decision.
1: Yeah, so just having a look at Charles Jourdain's uh, recent performances recent performances. He is coming off of two straight losses. That is something to keep in mind. Lost to Shane Burgos, lost to Nathaniel Wood. Uh, He's only two two and three in his last five. So he definitely, you know, he's a very uh, entertaining fighter, Air Jordan, and he, you know, can put on a show. Zan, as you kind of alluded to, this is, I think, your classic, uh, I think this is kind of your your, uh, classic, you know, who's the better grappler. And Jordan, Gill, you know, he can let his hands go, too. So you kind of alluded to, can he? Because uh, I think as much as he's a great jujitsu person, Zan, he's fighting a Gracie. And we know how the Gracies are with their jujitsu. And if you don't know how the Gracies are with your jujitsu, uh, are you new to the sport? The thing that scares me, though, Zan, is that Kron Gracie hasn't fought uh, in four years. He hasn't <laughs> fought since the Cubs Swanson loss.
2: Yeah, so this is kind of a weird placement for him in my opinion, but it's just one of those where we'll see how it goes. Um again, like I said, I think Jordan wins a decision and um I, agree. I I mean I mean I hope Gracie does well, but this is not an easy fight to come back to and it's quite amazing to me that he's not on the early prelims or the prelims, because um I just think a main card spot and a pay per view is tough. So we'll see. We'll we'll see how he does.
1: I agree completely with everything that you just said. Uh, notable prelim bout, San. I look at that TV, uh, the TV prelim card. I kind of like the main event. I mean, main event. I like the featured prelim for ESPN: Drew Dober versus Matt Fravola.
2: Yeah, um, I, I mean, I it's it's hard not to pick uh, the steamroller in this spot, but Drew Dober is just different. I think his uh, I think his boxing is just Gonna overwhelm for and I think uh, Dober wins a decision. What do you What do you think?
1: I uh, I think you know the steamroller has some momentum after the upset of Atman uh, not too long ago. But yeah, I think I think I'm worried that the veteran presence of Drew Dober might be too much for him to handle. I I'm gonna lean to Dober for a decision right now. Okay. A uh, couple of other names that are going to be competing on this card. You got right before the uh, Dober Volov fight on the TV prelims. You're going to have Kennedy you're taking on Devin Clark. Chaos Williams is on this on the prelim card as is Marina Rodriguez. The early prelims will be topped by Braxton Smith versus Parker Porter Joy, uh, and you've got the likes of Phil Hawes and Zalgas Zumagulov competing on this card as well. So. Zan, going into that, what are your best bets for this card?
2: Yeah, I mean, overall, this is a good hardcore card. So let's get right into it. I've got uh, Sterling versus Suhudo over three and a half rounds. That's my first best bet. Um, I see, I see, um, uh, Jessica Andrade versus Sean Um Either one of one of two. It depends on how you want to go about it. This fight does go the distance, or this fight goes over two and a half rounds. I like that, um, and then I also like Chaos Williams inside the distance um, over 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 Rwando. I think this is a big fight for Chaos Williams. He's always very impressive, and he likes a lot of vicious knockouts. This is uh, this is another one where I think he can win inside the distance. His opponent's tough, um, but Dwayne will bring it. I just see him getting finished early. So those are those are my three. And if you want to add a little sprinkle of insurance, why not? Let's let's have uh let's have Parker Porter win in, in the distance as well. So those are my four um best bets. It should be a very uh underrated card from New Jersey and uh, good good luck. And uh, as Iani the Greek says, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, cash and don't trash him. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. Uh I'm going to agree with you on Andrage versus Janja now to go over two and a half rounds. Uh, let's see. I could see. I, I'm also going to agree with you on the Chaos Williams bet. You know, it's very rare. You know, I mean, we've seen it before in the Octagon where Chaos Williams goes to distance, but it's more common than not that if if Chaos Williams is fighting, it's more than likely going to end in some sort of finish. So, Chaos Williams, Rolando, Bedoya does not go to distance. Parker Porter's 0-2 in his 0-2, you know, in his last two. I don't know if I would put the money on him. I could see you know it does not go to distance pro- uh, prop that on Braxton Smith versus Parker Porter as well, though. Uh and you know what? Probably maybe probably some sort of money line belt on Gilbert Burns.
2: That's not bad. Um I I, I just think overall, um, um I think I just think overall, like you know, no matter how you slice and dice the card, there's going to be some underrated fights. Um, mm-hmm. no, matter, no matter no matter which way you look at it, I think any of these fights have a chance to go multiple different ways. There really isn't a boring fight on this card, and uh, those best bets are also solid. Wish so your fellow coast. I also wish you the best of luck.
1: Same to you. One more fight we got to talk about: Canelo Alvarez, John Ryder for the undisputed super middleweight title. John Ryder, former w- Interim WBA Super Middleweight Champion, the current w- Interim WBO Super Middleweight Champion. And, Zan, this is Canelo Alvarez's first time competing in Mexico in how long? Years? Uh,
2: yeah. yeah, I'd say it's about it's about a decade, I think. It's been about sure. over 10 years.
1: So over a decade. And, Zan, it's going to be available on DAZN Pay-Per-View for, I think it was like 54 99 or something like that. 60 bucks I'm just I have to rip on the zone here because because
2: I'm ready
1: this is I get it Canelo Alvarez is a top drawer in boxing still I get it Canelo Alvarez you know is the heart and soul of Mexican boxing however you are going to tell me that you are going to offer up this kind of fight with a undercard that you know Kind of is you know what for fifty to sixty dollars after you just charged the same price, if not more, just a couple of weeks, depending on your platform and such, just a couple of weeks ago. Well, hang on, hang on, hang
2: on. I don't mean I didn't mean to interrupt. Regardless of what platform you purchased it on, you still got the showtime feed in this case. For those of you who are curious, this is exclusively zone it'll, it'll be it'll be either broadcast just to clear up any, any confusion if okay. you were one of the people who bought the D zone feed two weeks ago. Okay. So I just I had to I had to mention that.
1: All right, all right. Fair enough. But still, if you depending on the platform, you know, if you were a zone subscriber already for Tank versus Garcia, you got a little bit of a discount. But even then, you know, if you if you weren't or you purchased on cable or cable pay-per-view or something, you had to pay a lot more. And now you're going to charge another 50 to 60 dollars just a couple weeks later for Canelo Alvarez and no disrespect to John Ryder, but Canelo Alvarez is obviously going to be the heavy favorite for this kind of fight and it's his home it's his home country and everything. You just really the logic there just kind of baffles me because yeah, the UFC had you know, its whole string of pay-per-views to start the this year off. But, Zan, we've talked about how incredible that run was when you had the champ versus champ with Volkanovski and Islam. You had John Jones coming back and winning the heavyweight title, and then you had the trilogy fight between Leon and Kamaru. The UFC made it worth the money. This, no, absolutely not. Yeah, this it definitely... Under- Sorry, Zan, one more point, but it doesn't help that what promotion has this fight kind of gotten other than it's Canelo's first time back to Mexico?
2: Um, It really hasn't gotten anything except that. But honestly, when you have Canelo Alvarez versus anyone, and it's in Mexico, and it's Cinco de Mayo weekend, and it's become kind of a tradition, Canelo could be fighting anybody, and people will still tune in. Now, to, to be a little bit hard on it, John Ryder isn't the fight that people were really clamoring for. We're not going to get into the logistics as to... Why, because it would take a little bit too long to explain. But my point in saying all this is um if you are a hardcore boxing fan, you will watch this. If you are a casual boxing fan, the best thing you could probably do is um is is worry about seeing this on Twitter because I don't think you would really miss much. Knowing me because I am insane and I like to watch everything, I will I will be watching both with only the audio who turned up for Canelo versus Ryder. I know you will be mostly focused on the UFC, and I will probably be one of the first people to tell you who wins or loses this fight. But nonetheless, I do think Canelo gets it done. I think he gets it done between rounds 9 and 11. Let's, let's go in the middle. Let's say that Canelo de- has finished him in 10. This is not worth 54-95 or whatever it is. So if you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're picking between the UFC or boxing, Please spend your money wisely. Please buy the UFC pay-per-view. It's a much better quality card. You get two five-run fights at the top of the bill. Can't say the same thing about boxing. So there's your argument for why you should get UFC 288 over Canelo versus Ryder. Simply just because John Ryder is not a household name. It's only being done for Canelo because it is his homecoming. And that's really the only reason why the fight's relevant. So I will pick Canelo. He will defend his undisputed super middleweight championship. Go back into whatever he does for the next eleven months and come back next May, do it all over
1: again. <laughs> or, or maybe in September with Mexican Independence Day. Week. Yeah,
2: you're you're not you're not. Wrong. But again, it also depends on the college football slate at that point in the year. So true. there's true. that too.
1: That's true. And by the way, I agree. I see Canelo getting off to a very slow start, like we have seen him in his most recent fights. But Canelo eventually pick up the speed. And I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, Dan. Perfectly. I say round 10 he gets it done. And yeah, I'm going to purchase the UFC pay-per-view and I'll just catch the highlights for this.
2: It sounds good. Why well, will I why will look forward to uh to watching the UFC pay-per-view. Thanks to you and I will look for the I I will look for the boxing festivities in other ways and I might uh I might help you out in that regard. We'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see about that. But again, boxing gets in its own way again for the second time in this show. A fight that people have not asked for. Uh, But again, another instance as to why boxing is still getting in its own way. But before we wrap everything up, I will say this isn't all bad, Tom. As two weeks from Saturday. We do get um, Devin Haney versus Vasily Momachenko. That's a little bit more of a positive on, on that front from Las Vegas. But that's either here nor there. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. This was a very packed show. I had an amazing time doing this. Again, for those of you who are tuning in late or or have just caught um, the tail and uh, on your way to work or whatever you're doing, this has been episode 36 of the MMA Outsiders. We covered a ton today, everything from Francis Ningano and his potential PFL negotiations to UFC 288 and, of course, previewing the big boxing match that's taking place in Guadalajara on Saturday. Um, Before we get out of here, uh, I just wanted to reiterate, I am Zan Bando. To my left is Tom Alvano. You can find my work over at BJPenn.com. I just put out a story actually about one championship and its a consideration to do cross promotion with the UFC. So you can go check that story out for yourself. You can find more of my work over at BJPenn.com. I got a few new things coming up this week. And then, of course, you can find Tom's work over at my, over at my former affiliate fan site in MMA. Um, and before we get out of here, of course, be sure to follow the network at ETB Network. Be sure to subscribe to the MMA Outsiders podcast on all audio-only platforms. And of course, be sure to like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell. That way you are notified of everything related to MD The Bench Network and all of its glorious content. Um, with that, I'm Zan, he's Tom. And before we get out of here and tell you to enjoy the fights, We just want I need to say one last thing and give a quick shout out to Joe Piper. He has a movie premiering about him uh, th- this weekend in New Jersey. So if you're in the New Jersey area, go check it out. But before you get out of here, be
1: Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper. Congrats to him. All right. That's Santa Tom. See you next time. Take care. Take care, everyone.
2: We will be back same time, same place for episode 37, and we will see you there.